the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's a piece yours truly hosted that I trust you will enjoy. Joined now by a friend of the program, Senator Lindsey Graham. It is always great to talk to Senator Graham. Good morning, Senator. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Let me tell you where I want to do in our time. I want to talk about judges, Iran, Venezuela, and Cuba in that order. So I'll start with judges. There are two seats on the Ninth Circuit and two on the Second Circuit that are empty, or at least there are judges who said they will take senior status upon confirmation. No nominees. Where are the nominees? Senator Graham. Well, uh, the White House is working on it as we speak. We'll be voting on Beth from the Ninth Circuit next week. He's uh, Outstanding young man, nominee, 40 years old. Uh, it's going to serve for a long time, God willing. Uh, we're cranking judges out. 40 circuit judges will uh, fill every opening we can. Now, that, that brings me, though, to the district court. I hope, I would think there would be a line of, of judge nominees ready to go whenever a vacancy occurred, and hopefully you can push them on that. But on the district court level, the blue slip lives on. In California, I no longer live there, but I still care about it. There are 13 district court vacancies. They've got some nominees like Mark, Mark Scarzi. He's a good guy. He'll get a hearing eventually. Rick Richmond was nominated last year. He'll eventually get renominated. But 13 empty judges, Lindsey Graham, that's just not fair to the litigants of California. What? You're, you're on good terms with Senator Feinstein. Why won't she work with you to get a package? A, I think we've got a deal. I think it will be announced here pretty shortly. Uh, they've worked with the White House well at the district level, not so much the circuit level. The circuit level is just, you know, it's just sort of become the Supreme Court now. But I think you'll be hearing something pretty soon about circuit judges coming out of, uh, excuse me, district judges coming out of California. We've got about 85 district openings. Um, we're going at a pace, I think, unprecedented. Our Democratic friends are are pretty upset. But these are judicial vacancies that need to be filled for the good of the country, and they're going to be filled. Now, I want to ask one particular homer for me. The Ninth Circuit vacancy that's open. Jim Rogan would ordinarily be considered to be a little old. He's my age to take over that. Right. But Jim Rogan got screwed 10 years ago by not getting a vote. And there are reasons why, and people suspect Senator Clinton put a hold on him. Even though he's a little bit older, would you, Lindsey Graham, support Jim Rogan for the Ninth Circuit? I love Jim Rogan. I got to know him under difficult circumstances. Certainly, he would be fine with me. I got to sit down with the White House. They've got a lot of good nominees to to fill these vacancies in the Ninth Circuit. As you talk about constantly, is an important circuit. We're trying to make it more conservative. We got an opportunity here. We're going to take advantage of it. Yeah, the second and the Ninth Circuit, they're they're close to my heart. Let's turn to Iran. Earlier this morning, minutes ago, the President of the United States said Iran did it. The, the, the mine that didn't explode had Iran written all over it. He didn't say what he is going to do. What do you think he ought to do about attacks on Gulf shipping, Lindsey Graham? Make sure that the Iranians will never do it again because it hurt too much. And if he doesn't send a clear, unequivocal 
signal with pain attached, they'll keep doing it. They're testing him. The president got out of the agreement. He's put sanctions on Iran. He's breaking the back of the Iranian government economically. They're pushing back. They're testing his will. Uh, one of the great minds of our time, General Keene, said there's a couple options. One, start sending naval escorts for commercial shipping in the Straits of Hormuz. That's one thing to do. I don't know how sustainable that is. The other thing is just basically sink their Navy, you know, put them on notice, start escorting ships, and if there's another attack on commercial shipping in the Strait of Hormuz, just sink uh, all these fast boats, just sink their Navy. That's what President Reagan did in 1988 with Operation Praying yeah. Mantis. I'd like to hear yeah. Lindsey Graham's assessment of this. They have a couple of major refinery complexes, maybe only two. They're attacking right. oil. Uh, wait to attack their refinery complexes because you want to talk about bringing that country to a halt? That's the way to do it. Well, this is why I like your show. You put options on the table that really hurt. The bottom line here is um, they're pushing back on multiple fronts against President Trump now. Rocket men shooting rockets. Maduro's still in power. The Iranians are attacking ships in the Strait of Hormuz. I like the foreign policy of President Trump. He's been the anti-Obama. But he's got to get Iran put back in a box. This is a time of testing. They've hit four ships. They've attacked land-based pipelines. Uh, they haven't filled anything yet. So if I were the president, attacking a refinery or sinking their navy would be an unequivocal signal. I don't want a war with Iran, but I don't want a, Iran to disrupt international navigation and freedom of the seas and continue to be, you know, be wreaking havoc. So uh, he's got some options on the table. And let's go to Maduro, if you don't mind. Can we yes. jump there right quick? Yep. If I were the president, you've got three really hot spots now. You've got North Korea, you've got Iran, and you've got Venezuela. Without the Cuban presence in Venezuela, Maduro wouldn't last 24 hours. The communist Cuban government has security forces in Venezuela that keep him in power. He's starving his own people. He's an autocratic dictator thug. If I were Trump, I would give an ultimatum to Cuba, remove all your forces, and if they do not, put military forces in the region and clean up our own backyard. When Cuba got involved in Grenada, what did Ronald Reagan do? He kicked them out. That's what I would do with Venezuela. When John Kennedy faced a problem with Cuba, he embargoed all fleets yes. coming in and out uh, to make sure they did not have contraband. They were allowed to proceed if they had humanitarian aid, et cetera. Do you propose a naval embargo on Cuba for Venezuelan oil, which is why they're propping up this, this thug, this killer, is they need his oil? Well, the Russians are out because they don't have any money to pay. And the Cubans are ideological far more than the Russians. They find a soulmate in Maduro, and they do get economic benefit from the relationship. So what I would do is put give Cuba an ultimatum, followed up by a blockade, moving forces into the region. Hopefully, Colombia and other friendly countries will allow us to be preposition forces. And I can tell you this, a military conflict with, the, with us, between us and Venezuela, will last about 24 hours. Um, this is not Iran. This is not North Korea. The Venezuelan military uh, would fold like a cheap suit. They're not going to die from Maduro. And I'd like to see our president do what Reagan did when it came to Cuban interference from Grenada, uh, Grenada by, by telling uh, Cuba to get out of Venezuela. It would help us with Iran. It would help us with North Korea. Do you think we have adequate 
fleet ships available in the Caribbean to actually carry out a blockade of Cuba, Senator Grant? Not yet. What I would do is give them an ultimatum, but I would go to the source of the problem. I'd move troops into the region and tell the Venezuelan military, pick between Maduro and your own people. Pick between the dictator and pick between democracy. It's your your choice. We're going to hold you accountable for what's going on inside Venezuela. We're going to give Cuba an ultimatum. We're going to hold them accountable, create a capacity to do a naval blockade against Cuba, but give an ultimatum not only to Cuba, but the Venezuelan military. Have you spoken to the president about this specifically? Yes, I have. And he has denied cruise ships, which is hurting Cuba economically. He gave the speech, a Ronald Reagan-like speech in Miami, that we will fight socialism in our backyard. Socialism is the enemy of the working people. It's for the few against the many, and we're for democracy gave a wonderful speech. He said Maduro has to go. Guaido's the legitimate leader. Maduro's still there. He's only there because of Cuba. The source of the problem is Cuba. I want to break Cuba's back in Venezuela, and I want to put pressure on this communist dictatorship, and I'd like to see it fall one day. Now, since you talk to the president a lot and you golf with him, um, he's got two great advisors in Secretary of State Pompeo and National Security Advisor Bolton. Some of the Beltway press would have us believe they don't like each other. I don't believe that's true. I know both men. What's your assessment of their relationship and how they work with the president? It's got one of the best teams around. Um, yeah, they're both of the same mindset. They, they believe in a strong America, deterring problems before they get out of hand, uh, you know, standing up to bullies and thugs. So they work well together. They're a... They understand what America is all about. They come from the Reagan mold. Um, they, they, Pompeo is the star of, of the cabinet as far as I'm concerned. I love Bill Barr. I mean, but Pompeo is a star. John Bolton knows the world for what it is. I'm just so pleased with General Dunford, General Milley be coming in. We've got a hell of a national security team, Dan Coates. So this is all, uh, you know, fake news BS. Bill Barr is known as the honey badger in conservative circles. Inside the building, he's known as the buffalo. Do you think he is going to pursue Spygate? The president just said on Fox and Friends, it's the biggest scandal, a political crime in the history of the United States, and it's not got the attention that it deserves. I'm paraphrasing roughly. What do you make of Spygate? What do you think about Barr's determination to get to the bottom of it? Well, there's three lanes here. There's the Durham lane. I don't know if you know much about Mr. Durham from Connecticut. I wouldn't want him looking at me. So uh, <laughs> he is he's on the criminality lane. Did people commit crimes in spying on Trump's campaign? Was there a crime uh, against the FISA court? Did they defraud the FISA court? On and on and on. You've got Horowitz, who's the inspector general, hopefully in the next coming weeks, not months, will release his review of the FISA warrant application against Carter Page. And you got me. And my job is to make sure this never happens again. Do we need to change our FISA laws? Do we need to put rules on uh, how you open a counterintelligence investigation against any political campaign? How do we have better checks and balances? I've never felt better than I do right now by an attorney general any time since I've been in government. Bill Barr is a man of the law. He loves the Department of Justice. He's the most seasoned, well-respected person I've ever met in terms of being attorney general, and he feels offended by what happened, what they did um, uh, in the 2016 campaign, 
regarding the FISA warrant process and the counterintelligence investigation. I think it offends him as an institutionalist, and he's going to get to the bottom of it. Now, you know, in his conference room, there are the portraits of the two attorney generals I work for, Ed Meese and Bill Smith. And he is himself a former attorney general, but they're using the Ken Starr playbook, the politics of personal destruction, to try and demonize Bill Barr. I don't think he gives two shakes of a wet rag what they say about him, but it is an old playbook. Do you see it being dusted off, Lindsey Graham? Oh, it's being it's being played out in front of us. You've had the Speaker of the House wanting to put the guy in jail. You, they accuse him of being the personal lawyer of, of President Trump. This was 41's Attorney General, one of the most respected guys in, in in all of Washington. But because he will look at things that nobody else would look at, because he will actually hold them accountable for for their abuse of the process, he's all of a sudden becoming the enemy of the state. He could give a damn. I had dinner with him a couple of weeks ago. He knows who he is. He knows what he's doing. He's a man of the law. He believes in checks and balances and processes, and he's going to clean this mess up. He could – they've picked the wrong fight with the wrong guy. Before I come back to Juan Guaido and China, I've got to ask you just one more question about this. Uh, former CIA Director John Brennan is my colleague at NBC. I don't speak ill of colleagues. I am curious what your opinion is of his presentations to date, and will he be appearing before your committee? I think there's two things beginning to emerge, that the State Department was far more involved in this than I believed, and uh, the intelligence community who put the dossier in the intelligence assessment given to President-elect Trump. Comey says it was Brennan's idea. Brennan says it was the FBI's idea. If you can figure that puzzle out, then you may be finding the root cause of this problem. Do you have subpoena authority of Mr. Brennan and Mr. Comey? Uh, I don't know if I can do it by myself. I don't think it will be a problem. They're talking about it ad nauseum on television. I'm just going to invite them to come to the committee and answer questions. Hopefully they will come. But you can't do an adequate investigation unless you have Comey and Brennan call before the Congress, and I intend to do that. And I want to go back to Juan Guaido, who reminds me of Havel. He reminds me of some of these heroes of late Reaganism, early W. Exactly, exactly. What are we doing to protect him, to your knowledge? Do we have people on the ground protecting him? Because Maduro is a killer. He'll just kill him. See, see that's this why I love your show. The bottom line is that we've sent messages to the Venezuelan security forces and military. An attack against him is the end of you. And the only reason he's alive today and not in jail is because President Trump and Pompeo and Bolton have been strong. But I am urging President Trump. Bolton and Pompeo, I think, are ready to go. The military option here should be put on the table. Venezuela is being propped up by... Cuba. Cuba needs to be given an ultimatum. If they harm a hair on Guado's head or any other opposition force, that should be the end of it. The entire region recognizes Guado. They're asking that Maduro leave. This is not an outlier position we're taking. The Trump administration has rallied the entire region to our cause. And so, Mr. President, get Maduro out now. Do it immediately. Do it decisively. It will help you with North Korea and Iran. 
and the whole region will look at America differently. You'll free the Venezuelan people from abject poverty. It's hurting Colombia. It's disrupting the entire region and make the military in Venezuela pick between the dictator and their own people. Now, I've built to this to this pivot to the People's Republic of China because all of these other issues are important. They're pressing. They could lead to war. They could lead to loss of life. We've got to get freedom restored in Venezuela. But the hundred year challenge, President Nixon used to say the Chinese think in terms of millennia, the Russian centuries, the European generations and Americans decades. Your job on armed services and as judiciary is to look at what the People's Republic of China is doing to us and how they are doing it and how we can coexist. How do you characterize the relationship right now? And what is your advice to them vis-a-vis the demonstrators in Hong Kong? Well, number one, they're a hostile power to freedom and democracy and to world stability. Ninety-four percent of the counterintelligence investigations open today are against Chinese students who come here to study in American universities, fully paid for tuition, and they're holding their hostage, their families hostage. If you don't gather intelligence against America, we're going to hurt your family. Uh, they're trying to extradite dissenters from Hong Kong against every understanding about the relationship between Hong Kong and mainland China. They're testing Trump at every turn. Trump has stood up to them, unlike anybody, quite frankly, on the economic side. If I were the president, I would really draw a red line here about uh, the law they're about to pass, disrupting the status quo with Hong Kong. It is a flagrant violation of the agreement that everybody reached regarding the status of Hong Kong. But Trump's put tariffs on Chinese products. It's hurting their economy. It's hurting us. But if he doesn't change Chinese economic behavior, they're going to dominate the 21st century and become the world's leading economic power. And I don't want that. It appears to me that President Trump is, has used a wrecking ball to reset the relationship. Do you believe it is possible, Lindsey Graham, that the United States and China reach another 1972 moment where they agree to cooperate short of conflict and short of espionage? I think the only way you'll ever get China and America to agree is for China to become a developed nation under the WTO abiding by world trading rules and regulations, stop intellectual property theft, state-owned enterprises nobody can compete against. I don't see China changing until they experience the pain they've never experienced before. And one thing I'll say about President Trump above all else, he's in it to win it with China. He really is less likely to do a deal today than he was last week. He believes that the tariffs are working. And he's going to keep pushing until China changes their behavior. He took Iran on. He's breaking the back of the Ayatollah. But he needs to deal decisively with these attacks in the Straits of Hormuz. If he did, that would actually help him with China. The only reason Mexico changed their behavior regarding our border and helping us with Central American flow is because of what Trump did to China. Mexico saw the tariffs on China and believed that Trump would do the same to them. Now, Senator, there are technology companies out there. I have no interest in them. I just know about them, for example, AC Global, uh, that now identify risks. 
Do you think we are doing an adequate job of screening Chinese nationals? Not a not Chinese Americans. I heard someone crazy say we're running a new McCarthyism era for Chinese Americans. Well, that's that's nuts. a bunch of BS. It is a bunch of BS. But should we be going to people like AC Global Risk and saying we have to get a handle on? I think it's four hundred thousand grad students from the PRC in the United States. Well, what did I just tell you? That ninety-four percent of the counterintelligence investigations open today are against Chinese students here lawfully studying in America. And some of them may be just hardcore communist Chinese, but they have their families being held hostage. Here's the business model. They send young people to America, and they're using them to basically exploit our freedom and spy on us and steal our technology. And if they don't play ball, they will put their family in prison. We've got to somehow break that cycle. That's not a normal relationship. I welcome people to come here and study. I like a lot of them to stay and do business through uh, H-1B visas and become American citizens. But what China is doing is exploiting our open society, and we're going to have to push back. This is the biggest challenge for President Trump is to rein in China. And I think he's doing, generally speaking, a damn good job. Three final questions. As chairman of judiciary and as a senior member of armed services, you're the bridge to getting Americans serious about this. We don't want another red scare. We don't want people to go crazy. But are we doing enough to educate Americans to the risk of espionage, both in our open platforms on social media? And I've talked to social media giants about this. They don't seem to be aware of how espionage works in the modern world. Are we doing enough? And what would you have the president do in this area to educate people about this? Well, number one, no, we're not. I'm going to have a hearing about how they exploit um, our open society, how how they basically are hijacking the visa system to turn in, you know, to, to spying campaigns, uh, how pervasive they are in terms of stealing technology. And, and you just have the president call him out. When he speaks, everybody in the world listens. Last question. Uh, during the debates three years ago, you used to uh, take good aim and wax at President Trump, and I used to throw your softballs and you can hit them out. Uh, but your your approach to him has changed as mine has because I, I see some very significant upsides in the clarity versus agreement approach that he's pursued. Has the president changed in office, Lindsey Graham, vis-a-vis national security in your understanding? He's exceeded every expectation I had. I ran out of things to say about him in the campaign. Huh. I voted for somebody I wouldn't know if they walked in the door, Ed McMillan, seemed so the bottom line is uh, Donald Trump is a combination of P.T. Barnum and Ronald Reagan. That's the best description I know to give of Donald Trump. He's a great showman, and he's got the instincts of Ronald Reagan. He put ISIS uh, in a box, and he's nailed it shut, and we need to keep it shut. He's put Iran on the run. He's standing up to China. He's told Rocket Man, knock this crap off. He told Maduro to leave. He's rebuilt the military. Everything that you and I and people who were poo-pooing Trump about, he's proven to have risen to the occasion to be a commander-in-chief that has our military's back, that I respect. Our enemies are more afraid of America than they were two years ago. And when it comes to Israel, name one person in the history of the United States that's been a better friend to Israel than Donald Trump. Well, Richard Nixon saved Israel in 1973 with the airlift, yeah. but we can leave that aside. Last question. Joe Biden, you've known him forever. He's your friend. How will he do in a one-on-one debate with Donald Trump? I think he represents the past. I think the president, here's what it's going to be about. 
If you believe that President Trump has made your life better economically and that we're stronger today as a nation, we're going to win. Joe Biden is talking about an eight-year period that if it was that good, there would be no Donald Trump. So do you really want to go back to the good old days of letting ISIS roam the globe and all of our enemies go unchecked and have economic malaise? The biggest problem that that Vice President Biden will have is the accomplishments of President Trump. The biggest asset the president will have in a debate is here's what I've done in my first term. Here's what I want to do in my second term. Compare that to the eight years of Obama. I think he wins. Senator Graham, thank you. Please call up Pat Cipollone. Talk to him about Rogan, these other vacancies, about Rick Richmond, about Scarcy, about our district courts. But you're doing a great job. I appreciate your taking the time with me this morning. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.